Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You just heard Bourbon Street ain't Mardi Gras. Well, we'll find out what that means. I believe our guest, Jason Marcellus, is on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. good. Welcome back. Doing good. It's, uh, yes, absolutely. It's good to talk to you. You know, I was thinking when you had uh, posted that interview we did, God, some years ago. <laughs> you know, yes, it's good, it's crazy, good to be back right? on the show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So how have you been handling this crazy COVID? I know you had a rough year. Your father passed. What other things have you been dealing with and how are you handling or managing this COVID drama? Yeah, no, it's, it's it has been crazy and a tumultuous year, no doubt about it. But you just have to figure out other ways of being creative and other kinds of things that you can do. So, for example, um, I did, you know, like I have, you, you know, a YouTube account and a YouTube channel. So I thought, let me use this thing. So I started posting mm. videos on there, you know, and 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 now I will admit that that that. Uh, my online presence uh, has been altered quite a bit because you know I was more on Instagram and Twitter, but as of late I've been on TikTok. You know, <laughs> but uh, TikTok has a lot of silly stuff, so I just decided, you know what? Let me just bring some music and knowledge to these people. <laughs> so that's what I've been <laughs> on there trying to do. You know, because because you know the the app itself is very um it, it's it is like. It, the way that, that, that the videos are done, it's almost more engaging rather than like putting up a picture and posting a comment. Yes. You know, it's a yes. very engaging thing. So I've been busy with that. And I've also done some uh, solo things, you know, like, uh, like, like, it's like, you know, I did do a few shows that was solo drums, for example, and mm, I'm, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. hoping to record that later um, in the year. And I even did a project which will which looks like may have a fall release. Uh, it, it was a 
a very different kind of project that I wanted to do on the vibraphone. And it was, uh, uh, and, and I did a few shows online actually. And it was the music for meditations and relaxations, uh, show where it's a, it's a different kind of music. But, okay. Uh, Let's see, where to even start there? Because I guess the short version is that I was one of those folks that would go on YouTube and would stumble onto these relaxing videos, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. may be, you know, explaining like massage techniques or something. This is before that became popular and then the videos got all weird. This is before that. But (laughs) I noticed, yeah, like it's called ASMR and it, it just got bizarre. But before that, before it was a thing, uh, some of the videos I noticed would have music. And at some point, I said, you know, I could probably create music like this. And so as an experiment, I did a few shows online with music Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, and and told folks that this is music that is for, you know, either relaxation or sleep or if you're doing yoga or if you're meditating, it's good for that. And it did get a well, uh, Jason, positive Jason, response. You know there were some folks that, who loved it. That's actually so. really important. Jason, you know that's really important because um, Mental Health Month uh, is important for everyone, but particularly with African Americans, you have these audio um, files you can listen to or even books, but a lot of the voices are not African American or people of color. So um, right. they actually had a whole thing. Um, I've seen the advertisements on Instagram and also on Facebook of uh, meditations with African-American or people of color voices. And, you know, yeah. people say, well, you know, what's, what, what, what's the difference? But if you're trying to relax, maybe you want something that you're comfortable with. Maybe you want a tone or a sound that you're comfortable with. So it's not so crazy that you would post, you know, those videos. And also because of the time we're in, people have been having a lot of anxiety, stress, oh, yeah. money worries. You know, uh, safety yeah, worries, no, this is, you know, can't even get toilet paper worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know folks have tr- folks putting gasoline in plastic bags, stress, you know, which is stupid. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Ha- that's another thing. It has been a very, very stressful time. Uh, and, and so uh, that's another reason why this is important. But uh, I'm looking at uh, releasing that sometime in the fall. Okay, and how many songs or, or or how many things will be on that? Uh, oh man, that's a, I think it's eleven or twelve. Because what I would do is uh, uh, when I did the live session, which I'm you know we've we've edited and cleaned up, but mm-hmm. I would just you know find a mood, improvise a mood, and just stay in that particular mood for like five, six, seven minutes, and then think of something else and plan that mood. So I think it's about. 11, 12, uh, 12 tracks, if you will, that will be released. Okay, okay. You know, the last time you were on here, we talked about so much. I, I listened to the interview, and I was like, wow, we got a lot in. Um, and But one of the things that we never spoke about, and I, and I think even in me researching you and different interviews, your mom, how has your yeah. mom impacted your life and, and even your musicianship? What was her impact on that? You know, it's funny because, um, you know, my mother is someone that, you know, was really good with sort of uh, keeping things in line. And I think that mm-hmm, there was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a motherly love, obviously, from her. And, uh, and it, it, it's, it was, it's an interesting thing because when, when I came along, 
the, the, like my first four brothers were out of the house. So it was actually a quieter house, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, so, you know, so it's like, you know, I had a pretty good relationship with my parents. And it, in fact, it makes me think too, I've often been asked, uh, well, were you a good kid? And I think, well, I didn't have a catalyst to be a bad one. <laughs> you know, so, right. but, okay. Uh, okay. I think the point is, is that, you know, my mother was someone who was, who was a really intelligent person, you know? So, I mean, you know, my father gets credit for that sometimes, but mom was also highly intelligent and just, you know, a, a, uh, like just of an independent spirit, you know, cause she's somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, did go to school and, and, you know, have degrees and so forth and had studied home economics. So she was somebody that had a, a good understanding of that and just a good understanding of raising kids. And, you know, especially after the first one was wild, good God, especially the first two. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the okay. first two, that, that was, they, they were wild, but, uh, um, but but no, I think that you know it, I think it is good to have. I mean, my father and I were really close, obviously, you know. But mm-hmm. my mother and I also had a good relationship, and I think that it's you know it's good when you have two folks like that that have that intelligence and have that support. Uh, so yes. you know, so I had supportive parents uh, both ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. 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 Definitely. Um, I'm going to play another song um, that's from the live album. Uh, this is actually the first song on, uh, that you played, Ratio Man Strikes Again. Yes. Man Strikes Again. Tell us about that title. Uh, what I mean, I think of a lot of things, but you tell me what that. Where did that title come from? Yeah, it, it, it was inspired by uh, uh, the, the, the the members of my band, and uh, well, the pianist that was in my group. Not a, who's not on that record, but a pianist named Austin Johnson. You know, and it, okay, the, the drummer in the in, in the band. Uh, in my previous group named Dave Potter, he wrote this tune called Ratio Man. And so mm-hmm. Ratio Man had to do with Piano Austin Johnson, who, you know, doesn't say a lot, but he knows when to say the right thing at the right time. <laughs> That's like, okay. so, yeah, they're like, yeah, the Ratio Man. And so one night <laughs> we were playing, so one night we were playing uh, Ratio Man live on the gig, and he comes up with this phrase, you know, that do ba do ba turtle do ba and I was like, man, that's good. And then I started playing it with him, and after mm-hmm. a while I said, man, I'm gonna have to turn that into a tune. And so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I called it Ratio Man Strikes Again because he actually had uh, came up with this phrase. And then I think it was a few nights, you know, we would like play it, and then he would play it, and I said, all right, I'm gonna have to, I'll turn this into a tune. So that's what that's about. Okay. Now you've been producing. Uh, do you like that seat of a, the producer? 
or you just rather just be the musician and, and hand the other production over to somebody else? Man, you know, that's interesting. Um, I think when it comes to like my own music, I think, I think I like being the producer in that instance, just because okay. I, I know, I know what it is that I want from the music and I, I, I know what it is that I'm looking for. I think that some people need producers because maybe they don't have a certain, uh, what is it I'm trying to say? Maybe a certain understanding of studio and maybe they mm-hmm. just show up and play and they need someone to kind of uh, steer things along. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. One example was uh, uh, my father, my late father, mm-hmm. uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, he goes to the studio and he just shows up. He, he just focuses on playing. Like the other stuff he's not really thinking about. He's just, okay, he's right, just trying right. to play. So, you know, like when it comes to studio, say, hey, man, you, you handle that. I'm, I'm just here trying to play. Well, okay, you know, and okay. so, and, and the funny thing is, uh, when he, he, he did this quintet session, and one of the things that it, it's, not, it's a minor regret, but not, not like a big deal, but the last, I think it was the last day of the session, I'd found out that they were doing some of his tunes. So mm-hmm. I actually came in just, you know, I decided, man, I'm going to go to the session. And I started functioning as a producer. I think it was like maybe the last day. And I, and I was thinking, damn, I should have been here like more days. <laughs> because when I got there, I think the band was kind of excited. Like, man, we got a producer. It was great. You know? Right, <laughs> so, right, right. Because I was like, I, I was that, hey, man, we, we should man, we should record like some of these original tunes of yours, man. We really should do that. We need to do that. So I was able to direct things. And, and then I was thinking, man, I really should have <laughs> I would have, should have been here like more days than just this one. <laughs> but now, uh, but you, but is, yeah. Is your fee higher? Do you charge more as a producer, or do you charge more as as a, as a percussionist? <laughs> no, no, it's going to be as a percussionist. You know, as a producer. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, depending on the session. You know, now if it ends up right. being some high end session, okay. But <laughs> in, in that instance, uh, no. Where did you learn about the business side of things? You know, because a lot of musicians or artists, even actors or singers, they don't know about that. They get hoodwinked and bamboozled. How did you learn about the business, and what are some things young artists should look out for? Well, okay. That's almost a two-part question because – It is. It is. It is. (laughs) Because I learned about it in in the old days, uh, I think, from – I think different musicians I've worked with, you know, in fact, my father actually had, uh, was exposing to me certain things with, about the business. Like, you know, he made me like, he, we, we went to the musicians union's office to join the union and he talked mm-hmm. about benefits there that they have. And, and, you know, and, and we would have conversations here and there about say going on the road. I remember once my father had told me, ages ago, and it, it, it was something that I understood more when I got older. He had a contract, and he said, yeah, now see, here, here's how much money you actually make. And we were discussing yeah. <laughs> what you're paid, but there's expenses, and there's this you have to pay for, and okay, out of that, that's what you actually make. So there were things that he had learned from him. Now, I will also say that another uh, another lesson in music business came from VH1's television show, Behind the Music. 
Uh, really? And I'm going to be, okay. oh, well, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing about that was in the, in the, and this is like in the mid nineties, all these stories about people getting ripped off were being aired on TV. And, yes, yes. and there was one famous episode with the, with the, with the girl singing rap group TLC where, cause they were actually oh, known for, they were known for like going bankrupt, but yet they were selling millions, millions of records. And, and so I remember when I think it was Lisa Left Eye Lopez, the late Left Eye. I think she explained it. She said, "You know, there's um 100 points in the album, and you know we had this new deal where we only got seven, and and then we got it." Mm. And I remember, I think at some point, I, I don't know if I looked at Dad or I thought to myself, "Wait, is this supposed to be on TV? I don't know if this is supposed to be aired on television because <laughs> this is the kind of business things that I mean, it was stuff that I had heard about." Because, I mean, my father and I even talked about that. Like, when you have a record deal, there's so much money that yeah. the record label gets. But I'm like, wait, th- th- but that, that was never on television. So I think that mm. um, those, that's where I learned that. Now, now, the thing, though, and I'm kind of a cynic here, was that there's so much of the business that has changed. And I have to be honest, I almost think it's to benefit the folks who own the music more so than the artists. Because it seems really? like there's always this big change that affects. Okay. Well, okay, I'll 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 explain. You would think All that, right. but no, I'll I'll explain. Lay it on me. You know, Lay because, it on me. Because <laughs> there were these there were these ironic moments that kept happening. Okay, so now you know all of a sudden with behind the music, you know all these stories are coming out about these different bands and getting ripped off, and so then I think artists started to say, well, no, 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 we want more money. So then the irony is Team Pop explodes. And I'm like, why is this happening? Mm. Okay, you get younger people that just want to be famous. <laughs> and, you know, okay. they think they're going to make a lot of money, but they're not. And then, ironically mm. enough, you know, some of those bands, like NSYNC was a famous example. They got the same treatment that New Edition got where you get your check and you're like, wait, this is all? <laughs> After mm. we went on the road? So then that, yep. you know, those stories start coming out, you know, those stories start coming out. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, um, you know, so then it's like, okay, so now you got younger artists that start to figure out more about the business. And all of a sudden, there was this television show that really took off called American Idol. I'm like, oh, okay, so now you're going to get people that really aren't experiencing music hardly at all. <laughs> And you're going to make them stars, and you're going to own them lock, stock, and barrel. Oh, I see what we're doing now. So it's like, mm-hmm. and, then, and then another thing that changes with the business okay. was, um, yeah, so I don't know if this is by design or not, but it's like very ironic. Another big change that happens with the business is, you know, the, 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 you know, the musician is starting to figure out, well, man, you know, we can actually make our own music and, you know, we can like yeah, have it on our own label and we can like, print yeah. it, it. Well, I haven't gotten to that yet though. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is as soon as, the, as soon as the musician figures out, man, we can make CDs and downloads start happening. What? Downloads? Wait. Okay. Well, yeah. well so how do you control that? Then. Yeah, then it's like, oh, download? Oh, no, we have streaming now. Now it's like, damn, okay. Honestly, I think that things have hit kind of bottom with that. And I think that mm. streaming, I think, is actually, of course, now I think that now you have people starting to fight that. 
because I think they're realizing that musicians aren't being compensated. These now, unfortunately, we're at a point where you have these big companies that own all this music, and it doesn't mean yeah. anything to them. It's just data. It's just data. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no I money. Mean, that's is, why. Yeah. I mean, they're making a pile of money, but it's data. It doesn't mean like if you own like music, Lionel Hampton, you don't know who that is. It's just data. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you have all these big companies, but. One of the worst things I think that streaming has produced, even I think possibly even worse than artists not making a lot of money, is that it has dumbed down us as listeners in terms of our knowledge of music. You know, Jason, I got to tell you, you are a stickler about this knowledge thing because even in my interview before and in other interviews, you really are a stickler about people knowing the history and things like that. But, you know, honey, we didn't have the family that you had, and maybe we don't have the time to understand, but we just like the sound. You, you know what I'm saying, um, of, of certain music. Let me just tell that, the, audience, I, I under- the website. Let me tell them about you. have your JasonMarcellus.com website. Check them out there. Um, like you said, he's on TikTok now. Um, he's on YouTube. So check them out all over. I think there might be a caller. Hold on a second here. You're at uh, 3786. Did you have a question for Jason? Uh, yeah, actually, Joe, I, I, I just wanted to, uh, before I ask Jason a question, I wanted to make a comment to what you just said. Um, when deregulation happened at the end of the 1970s, which allowed uh, people to buy more than five TV or radio stations, that's when you started getting things like Clear Channel happening. And mm-hmm. we don't Mega have regional and- radio anymore so that's mm-hmm. that's why you you see all that stuff across the board where you know uh it's not that you don't have time to listen to the history of music it's that the history is not given to you anymore so where are you calling, uh, from? My, where are you calling from i'm calling i'm calling from texas um okay and um, what's and your question I, for jason yes uh jason I know that you are probably one of the uh, least well-known of the Marsalis brothers, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just curious, having listened to a little bit of your music, have you ever thought about doing something more along the lines of a, a pop project just to maybe get a little more reach out there? Oh, yes. The question of thank reach. You, thank you. <laughs> yes. You know, it, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Because, uh, you know, there's things that I've thought about along the lines of, uh, honestly, along the lines of, say, electronic music, but sort of putting my own spin on it. Uh, now, mm. in, terms of, in terms of, like, straight-up pop, it, it's not something that I naturally hear, to be honest with you. Uh, like, like, there's folks that really hear that. And so it's something that I've checked out, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing it if I'm not naturally hearing that if that makes sense. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you know, you have people sense. that sometimes will try it and say, oh, man, you know, I need to – I'm going to show them that I can do this, and then it doesn't really sound that good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just leave it to the folks that can really do that. But, yes, but me, it reach. It's all about including reach. No doubt. It's all about improving on it. No doubt about it. <laughs> let me play uh, Suit Sprite. Uh, Hold on a second. Uh, this is from Jason yeah. uh, Marcellus Live.
pretty well known around the globe. Um, as a matter of fact, in our last interview, we, we talked about like uh, what was it, the the Nerd Jazz um, organization. Um, Tell, tell them oh, yeah, that's a yeah, crazy yeah, story. Yeah. Tell them about that. Tell them about that story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that mess. Well, whew, the short version was there was a shift that I started to notice in the late 1990s in the music. And I think that, in fact, I'll start off with a story that uh, – my, that my old teacher, who's no longer with us, uh, Mr. Clacker Jr., who had taught us in all the sort of creative arts. And, you know, he had taught at a time when uh, – he taught at a time where you had students who really loved music and guys who really mm-hmm. wanted to play. In fact, like the class before mine was like probably the greatest class that that school ever had. I mean, where wow. you had like drummer Adonis Rose was in the class and, and – uh, Jason Stewart, who's a bassist, he was in that class, and they had trumpet players like uh, a guy named Abram Wilson, who unfortunately had passed away, sadly, and Mark Bro, who's in Preservation Hall. And there's another trumpet player, and I keep, I keep forgetting his name because he's not really out. Oh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> Nicholas Payton. Uh, he was in that class. So you had, like, wow. these guys that really loved the music. And I remember him, te- so I was in the class after that same thing. So I'm saying this to say, he told me, like, man, you know, man, things changed, man, because when y'all were there, man, y'all would be bringing in, man, all these jazz records. But then that stopped. And guys didn't do that anymore. I mean, they might bring in some rap music, but guys weren't doing that anymore. And I think that you started to get musicians that weren't really interested in, uh, the, in the history of the music and in the legacy of the music. And then you get these scenes where, you get guys that learn at a school, but they're not learning from other musicians. They're not learning from older musicians. And so they kind of get into their own thing. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that involves reducing music to the most complex elements while eliminating the simple elements. And you get this music that doesn't deal with swing or any kind of group, but it deals with harmony, but it usually deals with a lot of straight field music with a lot of legato, and, you know, and after, and so, after and so that started to happen a lot with the music. So after about ten years of that, I just couldn't take it anymore because honestly, <laughs> they, they they got away with they got away with a lot. Those younger players got away with a lot. I mean, you know, like I think back to when when uh, it, there was a quote that I read from my older brother Winton when he got to New York, and you had like some some people in the audience. I would ask him like, man, what what is it that you're playing? I mean, you're not really playing jazz. I mean, Lee Morgan was jazz. Yeah. Patty Hubbard was jazz. What is it that you're playing? And I'm reading that thinking, um, where are those audience members now? You're needed right now. (laughs) To be honest, they're gone. A lot of audience folks now, they don't really know what the music was or what it is. And so they they started to believe a lot of what I like to call innovation propaganda, which is, you know, this is forward-looking music, and they're not stuck in the past, and they're playing new things, and they're moving mm. it forward. And I'm thinking, this music is actually boring. You know, they're playing this esoteric, you know, like piles of notes and not really playing or trying to develop melodies. And so there was a statement they're that I heard from They're playing for themselves, really, not for the audience. They're playing for themselves. Oh, it's totally the about them. It's totally about themselves. It's not about the audience mm-hmm. at all because, they, you know, they've seen that the music isn't, as popular per se. So rather than try to, you know, play for an audience, they say, oh, the audience doesn't care. And they just play for themselves. And so there was a, there was a, the, something that a musician once told me about the newer music, because he knew what was going on. And he told me, man, 
you know, I'm just bored, man, with this nerd music. And when he said that, I said, oh, that's right. These guys are jazz nerds. That's what they yeah. are. They're just, they're just boring people that play piles of notes, and they, mm. they, they scoff at anything simple, or they, they either, either ridicule it or they just ignore it because it's not important. And so, you know, and finally, my father even told me a story about him going to a show where the musicians were kind of disengaged. Uh, but then you would look at the audience, and the audience was working at trying to enjoy the show. They didn't enjoy the show. Yeah. They worked at trying to enjoy it. So I said, oh, so you mean to tell me that the people have accepted the new music for what it is? I've had it. I'm calling all of this out. So I just became <laughs> super outspoken. And, you know, and some oh guys were God. annoyed with what I'm saying, and I'm like, I don't care. But here's the thing, though, was mm. what started to happen after I started running my mouth, musicians started to hear what was going on. And yeah, then all yeah. of in fact, in fact, Marcus Roberts, you know, pianist I worked with, he called me one night, and this was like a few months ago. It was like late on a Sunday night, and I was like, hey, man. And he called me, and he said, I get what you're saying now, man. I got it now, man. I, you're right. I get it. Because I, I think understand. he heard a podcast. He, he heard a podcast with one of those musicians, and I can't remember who it was, but he said that the guy didn't reference any of the older musicians. You know, he was only talking about, like, hip-hop music, which, I mean, not that that's even a bad thing, but he noticed anything from the past he didn't mention at all. And I just say, man, welcome to my world. <laughs> this is how it's been for the let last me, 20 years. Let me ask you, I'm going to say some names of some new cats, and you tell me what's coming to your mind. Brian Blade. Oh, yes. Uh, my good buddy, Brian Blade. Um, i got to be honest. There's a conversation that I actually want to have with Brian Blade at some point. And I want to ask him what his, what his thoughts are, if he's even aware that this happened, of the, of the various music students that exploited the Brian Blade Fellowship sound. <laughs> and I'll, ex- I'll explain. See, when, when, when Brian came out with the first Fellowship album, uh, it came out when a lot of drummers were making records, like 98, 99. And to be honest, that was when I made my first record, because when I look up, mm. Donna Froze had a record out, and drummer Don Leverage had a record out, Jeff Tane Watts had a record like a lot of drummers had records out. Okay. And so when the Brian Blade Fellowship came out, I was like, well, this is an interesting record. You know, like there were things that I liked that there were some things I wasn't as into, but I liked that he was going for like a different sound and a different sort of group conception. So I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. But here's the thing. College students across America – heard that music, and said, oh, you mean we don't have to swing anymore? Yay! <laughs> all right! Yes! woo oh And gosh. all of a sudden, the swing element just starts dying out. And, you know, now, now at the same time, you know, you start to get students that don't know anything about Brian Blade uh, Brian, from yeah. the 90s. I was, teaching, I was teaching a class at NOCA, and you know, I was playing a record of Joshua Redman, Live at the Vanguard. We were, I think, playing in St. Thomas or something in the assignment. And so on the record, Joshua Redman says, and Brian Blade on the drums. And a student in class says to me, that was Brian Blade? <laughs> and I had to stop what I was doing. I had to uh-oh, stop, uh-oh. and I said, you know what? Uh-oh. We need to talk about Brian. Because, and then I got to tell him my story, because you, you know where Brian Blade is from? Mm. Shreveport, Louisiana, okay? 
There was a crawfish. period where Brian Blade crawfish. was living in New Orleans. <laughs> Brian Blade was in New Orleans, and he was he was you know working with my father. And me and I were like, were, 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 you know, we were like tight back then. You know, I would see him from yeah. time to time. You know, like I even had this one funny time where I think Brian got sick with a fever or something. So he stayed at like my parents' house for a minute. And we kind of hung out for a second. So, yeah, Brian was in New Orleans and, you know, was had a good time, could swing. And so you have this other side that a lot of people don't know anything about. They just know about, you know, the fellowship and just playing with Wayne Shorter, you know, and not realizing, uh, do you know the amount of music that the people in Wayne Shorter's band know? Uh, do you no, know the man. entire history of Wayne Shorter? If you don't, you're not going to fully understand what this is. So Jason, anyway, yeah, Jason, that's, um, I, that's I, a bit of a tangent. Mean, Blade, yeah, I've known Blade yeah. a long time. I, I'm sorry we have to kind of bring it down to the end here. Let me ask you, sure. what's your favorite dish? What's your favorite dish that your mom used to cook? Yeah. Hmm. That's a, a good question. Probably, probably her gumbo, I think, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's funny because, you know, when mom was getting, you know, a little older, you know, she didn't cook as much per se, but like this definitely like holiday time, like Thanksgiving and whatnot, you know, when she would put together gumbo, it was definitely amazing. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. And nobody can replace that. No. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, All right. You know, I mean, yeah, because I I remember my, somebody would ask my father, so man, what's a great place for gumbo? He's like, I don't know. These gumbo. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, Jason, this has been fun again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, again, let me tell people your, your website, jasonmarcellus.com. What's your hook on TikTok? Uh, it's just, oh, just Jason Marcellus. That's, you Jason just Marcellus. look that up. There it comes go. right up. And um, you're also on uh, Instagram. Um, now, uh, yep. what if somebody wanted to get lessons with you? Is that something that somebody could do? They can pay you to get lessons? They can, actually. You know, And so you can actually email me at a, uh, jason at jasonmarcellus.com you know, for some more details, but yes, cause I actually do lessons online. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, and so that's something that, you know, we'll see, we, I may start doing them in person soon, but yes, that is something that I do. Now what's the next record? You talked about the meditations, but what's coming maybe in between or after that, do you have something else going on? Well, the meditations is the next thing. After that, I'd, I'd like to record the, 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 what I call the one man drum show. You know, and just to show okay. folks that there's so much that can be done with a set of drums. Yeah. Now, you are partial to, um, I was looking, that you uh, support the uh, Fives drums. What What is it about them that, that makes them great? Oh, wow. That was a, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That was an endorsement I had a while ago. You know, I mean, oh, it was okay. a great so sounding pitch. You know, th- mm. there was, there was a, uh, yeah, I'm actually with uh, Mapex right now, but those kids okay. have, it's a few things. I mean, they have a really good resonance and like a good attack. Now, of course, there's also the tuning aspect, which is important too. But uh, mm. I think that's what I like, you know, about those particular drums. So, but I'm with Mapex well, right now. Okay. Well, I'm, again, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. And I don't agree with the guy about your lesser known of the family. You have yeah. Don't don't worry following. about that. Don't worry about that. Okay. For the record, I right. I know who that was. So don't even don't even worry about uh, that. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, you have a and great I'm weekend. Just, 
Oh, go ahead. Absolutely. You too. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's that's Thank it. You. That's all I'm revealing. That's it. I knew it. I knew that's that. all you're revealing. That's... Okay, no problem. Yep. <laughs> Thank you again. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Just got off the phone with percussionist Jason Marcellus. Uh, we were talking about gumbo. We were talking about drums. We we're talking about nerds. A whole bunch of stuff. The, the interview will be archived, so you can come back and listen on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys and on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me. Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. I'm going to be giving away a copy of Jason Marcellus' live uh, album, record CD, whatever way you want to call it. So you want to follow me uh, online. Uh, also, again, Jason is on TikTok, which I'm going to have to check out because I didn't know. So um, I think that'll be really interesting. Um, again, I'm going to be giving away copies of his album, so you want to check it out. I'm going to end with a passionate dancer. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.